Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC 271, Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker 2. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday night at the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas. Finally on neutral soil, man, because, I mean, the first time was down under. You know, there was so much pressure, so much pride. I mean, New Zealand versus Australia. Now, they don't have to worry about, about that as much. I mean, look, there's bragging rights. Don't get me wrong, Shaq, but I'm just saying, like, at least now, neutral territory. It's a brand new fight. I mean, dude, I cannot wait. These are the two best middleweights on planet Earth fighting for a world championship. Yeah, 100%. And you got one of the biggest stars in the UFC as well, Israel Adesanya. I mean, he's right up there with, you know, I mean, after McGregor, I think he's got to be, you know, right in line after that in terms of, you know, big hype stars. And, you know, the UFC's rewarding him for that. He's getting that big deal. And and now he, he's got to be active to, to, you know, make this deal look good. And, you know, Robert Whitaker, he bounced back from the title defeat and got three wins in a row over, you know, three good guys. And, and now he's earned his way back to a title shot so robert whitaker one of the best middleweights ever israel adesanya might be on his way to being the best middleweight ever and and i'm excited to see what happens saturday night because the rematches you know i always feel like there's a lot of pressure on the guy that won the first time but you know he's already done well in rematches before you know he fought marvin just his last fight so you know uh, we'll see what happens out of curiosity if you had to rank the top four middleweights of all time on a mount rushmore i mean look anderson silva Israel Adesanya, Rich Franklin, Robert Whitaker. Who's the fourth? Rich Franklin. You think Rich Franklin? Yeah. I mean, he he was he was a badass champion his time. Yeah. Don't forget about my boy Richie Rich. Yeah, Rich but when I was coming up, man, Rich Franklin was that guy. Yeah. <laughs> but could you look at like other promotions and talk about like a Dan Henderson, like going over there and pride doing his thing? And, oh. Okay. And he and he did be rich when they um, fought. Uh, well, yeah, but he never had a belt in UFC, but yeah, I mean, you could say that, but when, I mean, he did when they fought, he did win. So now this is a little something now, Dan Henderson did win a UFC tournament, but yeah, back when like Vitor won the heavyweight tournament, like these are, all right, we'll, we'll do the MMA history another time, but let's break down this card, man. So in the co-main event, we got Derek Lewis taking on Tai Tuivasa, and I mean, you know the deal here. These two are going to stand and bang until one man falls. You got the UFC KO King, not the heavyweight KO King, the UFC heavyweight KO, uh, the UFC KO King and Derek Lewis and then tied to Ivasa. I mean, this guy's always destructive. This guy's always exciting. This guy's always explosive, always looking for that big KO. And um, I don't think these guys are going to show each other too much respect. I do think that, you know, sometimes when you got guys with that kind of firepower, they might stare at each other. I don't think that's going to be the case here. I do think someone's hitting the deck, Shaq. Yeah, Derek Lewis, like you said, UFC KO King, some of the greatest comeback KO victories in the UFC history, some of the best KO victories in UFC history. I mean, the last one was one of the most brutal things I've ever seen in a while. And then against um, Chris Dawkins and then the um, let's not forget the Curtis Blades knockout. I mean, Curtis Blades was literally snoring on the canvas. So, you know, uh, I mean, Derek Lewis can dish out a lot of damage. He can he can take some as well. And Tuivasa, I mean, what a nice little rebound story this guy's had because, I mean, not too long ago he dropped three in a row. Um, now, I know he fought a couple cans in there like Hunsucker and um, – Struve. Uh, and Struve and Greg Hardy and, and, you know, things like that. But, you know, hey, he built his confidence back up. I, I mean, a year ago he told me he said he was going to quit drinking and he was going to change his life around and yeah, put him on a three-fight win streak. So um, props to him. Yeah, and then the featured bout in the middleweight division, 
Might be a title eliminator between Jared Cannonier and Derek Brunson. I mean, this whole blonde Brunson thing, uh, people are uh, going with it, man. And he's been winning some fights. And he actually just recently announced he's only got two fights left. And then Jared Cannonier, he's always wanted this title shot. He always wanted he, he thinks that he's a good stylistic matchup for Izzy. So, I mean, the winner of this fight puts themselves in a prime position to potentially challenge the winner of Izzy and Rob. Yeah, Brunson, I mean, he's been around the block for a while. It's good to see, you know, he can, uh, you know, re uh, rejuvenate himself and reinvent himself at, at this age, you know, this stage in his career. Definitely with some of the KO losses that he's had, you know, props to him for getting back into this spot. Um, nice wins over Till and, and Golden Boy Shabazian and, um, and uh, who else did he beat? Um, Ian Heinish. And Ian Heinish. Elias Theodore. Elias, yeah. Um, but you know, uh, Jared Cannonier is one of the most violent middleweights. You know, and and you know, ever since he dropped from 205, I mean, I think that was the best decision he ever made. Um, has to stay very disciplined and look at the type of damage he dishes out, man. Those calf kicks. I know you remember what he did to Jack down there in uh, or was it Denmark or somewhere? I mean, it had him on the canvas one round. So uh, I like Jared Cannonier. Always been a fan, and I'm excited to see him fight. Well, Shag, let's break down this whole car start to finish. Everybody do us a huge favor and smash that like button. And if you're not subscribed to Half the Battle, what the fuck are you waiting for? Do us a favor. Hit that subscribe button and smash the like button. Let's get down to business, my man. Because first up, in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Jeremiah Wells. He's 9-2, and two, taking on Mike Blood Diamond Mathitha, who is 3-0. and oh. And currently, they got... Jeremiah Wells minus 235. The comeback on Mike Blood Diamond Mathitha is plus 195. So it's an interesting fight because, like, obviously, MMA experience wise, you got to go with Jeremiah Wells. He also has a black belt in jujitsu. And I mean, you saw what he did to Worley Alves, just he turned up on Worley Alves. He ran through Worley Alves. So my thing with Jeremiah Wells is that. I see a different guy every time. Like there was this one fight on his regional scene where he went five rounds with this Brazilian and he literally stared at him for five straight rounds. And he comes out there like that here. I don't know because this kid blood diamond. Look, he's not experienced for MMA at all. He's only three, you know, and I, I feel like if you watch some of his fights, it's like almost like he's not even like trying that hard. It's almost like he's just out there, you know, throwing these these crescent kicks and just chilling out against the fence and not taking too many unnecessary risks. I think he's still transitioning from kickboxing to uh uh to MMA. So he's in the midst of that process, but he also hasn't fought in two years. So we don't know if he's going to come out here looking a lot better. I mean, two years is a long time to work on your skills. Well, Jeremiah Wells, like I mentioned, he does have a black belt in jujitsu and uh, hey, do me one favor. My, my, my dog looks like he's uh, out here about to gag on my floor. So why don't you talk about this fight for a sec and let me handle this real quick. All right. All right. Yeah. I mean, Jeremiah Wells had a very impressive debut that, uh, that uh, first fight against Worley Alves as a big underdog, he comes he comes from a good uh, promotion in uh, Cage Fury. I mean, that promotion is consistently putting in guys in the UFC and guys that are um, having success. Now, Blood Diamond, you know, like you said, he's a, a kickboxer transitioning uh, to MMA. And, it, and it's hard to say because I haven't really seen it, to be honest. I've been hearing a lot of things uh, 
that i mean he's in way over his head he doesn't really know mma and that's a, that's the case for a lot of guys i mean even guys like G- giga chikadze uh you know some kickboxers like that they've they've struggled against you know inferior opponents because they're just not experienced in mma um i got look it's been two years since this guy has uh been been in the cage and look jeremiah wells stand up i guess that would be uh mike Mathitha, mike Mathitha's, uh path to victory to try to knock him out um and he comes from a good gym he's you know city kickboxing behind him a lot of good strikers in there it's just that if, i feel like jeremiah you know at this stage in his career you know he's not one of these typical typical rookies you know he's he's very how old is he like 34 30, 34 years old he's you know like i said he's coming from that promotion he's had five round fights before um i don't think this is going to be a task for him that he possibly gets you know snuck up on i think that he's gonna come out here with a good game plan use your daniel gracie bjj and expose this guy you know if you get on top of him i see jeremiah having his way with him he just can't play around on the feet too much but at the same time his last fight on the feet i mean he looked quite good to me um i mean at least an improvement from his uh regional scene fights by by a lot um and i mean when you look at the matchups they're putting this guy in they tried to match him up with Miguel Baeza for his first fight. Maybe they know something I don't know. I'm going Jeremiah Wells. I just think he's the more complete fighter. But yeah, he's gotta he's gotta be careful uh for the KO shot. But I think that's the only the only chance Mike Mathitha has. Yeah, uh and, and, and again, in that last Mike Mathitha fight, um, his MMA one in like twenty twenty, it just seemed like it was lackadaisical, like he he had so much more to give, but you know, he's got a big personality, he wants to be cocky and do all these things. We don't know what the ground game is looking like. It kind of um, reminded me of uh Galore Buffondo. I don't know if you remember. Oh yeah. Guy. But like, you know, just a kind of a gimmick, but like, you know, very dangerous. Yeah, for sure. It's just Jeremiah Wells running in recklessly. That's what I'd be most worried about and getting countered by, you know, a guy that does have a kickboxing background, but and also, I want to clear something up. I hear people talking about how, you know, Jeremiah Wells trains with Sean Brady and this and that. Look, they they live in the same state and they train around the same area, but they do not train together. If you actually listen to them talk, Sean Brady talks about how he's got his own people and Jeremiah Wells got his own people. So the whole, uh, you know, narrative that they're training partners is total bullshit. They got their own people. So I just want to throw that out there. But I will also go with Jeremiah Wells based off experience. So let's see what happens. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Douglas Silva DeAndraj. He's 27 and 4. That's a, that's a hell of a record, Shaq. And he's taking on Sergey Morozov, who is 17 and 4. So 10 more wins for Douglas Silva uh, DeAndraj. Look, Sergey Morozov, man, I mean, the dude, look, I know um, he's from Kazakhstan, but he's got that Russian coast type style. And he's fought some very tough competition outside the UFC. I mean, he's been in there with Mosar Evloyev, made his UFC debut against Umar Nurmagomedov. And Umar might only be 1-0 and in the UFC, but he's a lot better than that record indicates. And I think he's going to be a problem for a lot of people. So, I mean, and Douglas Silva DeAndrage, we talk about how Morozov was in there with like Evloev. Silva DeAndrage was in there with Peter Yan, Marlon Vera, even got the win over Marlon Vera, Rob Font. Uh, to Kugov in his debut. Like, this dude's been in there with the killer's row. And, you know, he kind of just reminds me of a better version of Sergey Morozov's last opponent, Khalid Taha, who I have a lot of respect for a hard hitter. But Silva DeAndrage, a lot more experience, a lot more season. Um, I mean, it's you got to be a no slouch to come out here and beat 
Silva de Andrade. Do you think that Russian coast type style can work on him? It did work on him in his debut against Tukugov. Now that was at 145. Can it work here again at 35 against Morozov? Yeah, it's a good fight. Douglas de Silva is very experienced. Uh, a good striker, good everywhere. Um, I think this is a bad matchup for him, though, against Mirazov. I think Mirazov showed good improvements from fight one to two. You know, the debuts don't usually, sometimes they don't go according to plan, especially when you're fighting a, a Khabib cousin, you know. So I think that um, his next fight against Taha, I mean, Taha coming off the steroids possibly, um, but still, I mean, some of the shots he was throwing very hard, but what I saw, I saw big improvements in the boxing um, from fight one to two, and, and I and I think that the big thing that what's going to win him this fight is just the clinch and, and the pressure. I think that Douglas De Silva, you know, although he's a good fighter, there's he likes to he likes to rest. You know, if he can get moments to rest, he'll take them, and uh, he might get away with that against you know guys like, you know, the last guy he just knocked out and um, Hennen Barrow and. You know, uh, uh, what's it good? Henry Briones and some of these guys like that, you know, where he'll floor them and knock them out. But we've seen we've we've got, you know, evidence of history of what happens when he fights the Kazakh slash Russian style fighter. I mean, he's he's gotten severely beaten. I mean, I know uh, I'm not saying Morozov's no Peter Yan, but he has spent time training with Peter Yan. And, you know, as uh, Zubera Tukugov was able to beat him by decision as well. I see holes in the clinch in De Silva's game. I think Mirazov, basically, I I, I don't because I don't like to disrespect De Silva because I'm a I'm a big fan, but I almost think he's got a, a free decision here, a free decision win here if he can just not get knocked out. Um, I think that he's gonna work harder. I think he's his work rate's gonna be harder. Um, he's gonna be pushing the pace in the clinch, holding on to his waist. Um, you know, trying to kill that clock, stay ahead on the cards, and I think he will, man. I think he he will uh, defeat Douglas De Silva by decision. Yeah, um, I can definitely see it, man. And I'm also going to go with Sergey Morozov via, you know, a slight Russian coast type decision. I mean, look, this dude, this De Silva is not a walkthrough. I mean, this guy is a bruiser. I mean, when you have a 27 and four record and the only guys that he's lost to are the Peter Yans, the Rob Fonts, uh, you, you see what I'm saying? Even that kid, Leron Murphy is undefeated. So I, I like what I see from him. It's just I don't think that there's been much evolution in his game whereas that last sergey Morozov performance was the best he's ever looked so let's let's go with this uh kazakhstani coast uh sergey Morozov to get it done now next up in the middleweight division we got a matchup between jacob malkoon who's five and one taking on aj dobson who's six and oh so jacob malkoon he goes from fighting random nobodies in australia to all of a sudden hey here's phil haas and yeah i know people are low on phil haas but phil haas is the complete package minus his chin i mean phil haas is a hell of a fighter he beat imavov like i'm not low on phil haas if like if phil haas just had a chin he'd be a world champion but uh after that fight you know you want to see what someone's confidence is like you want to see how they rebound well let's put him in there with another scary knockout artist he goes in there against uh, razak al hassan and i mean the dude's out there looking like the australian khabib you know what i mean like yeah i think he attempted what like 19 takedowns let me pull up the ufc stats so i can tell you the amount of takedowns he went for because he came out here with the right game plan and if he comes out here with the same game plan, I think he's got a chance to win. This guy, A.J. Dobson, is a bit of a question mark. Look, what is not a question mark is that the guy is an absolute freak athlete, hits like a truck, is explosive, is dynamic, and has a lot of first-round finishes. So, I mean, you got you to gotta be mindful of that. And I got my number up. 
Jacob Malkoon attempted 24 takedowns on Razak Al-Hassan. If he attempts 24 takedowns here on AJ Dobson, I think he's got a chance to win. And I want to bring something up that's irrelevant, but I just want to let you all know about a little something. And I, you listen, I don't talk about amateurs just like I don't talk about practice, but you know that AJ Dobson got finished by John Gunther on amateurs, right? And uh, now, now, Grant, this was 2014, so I know for a fact that he's gotten a lot better since 2014. But it's always a red flag when they get finished by a bum like that. No, no disrespect, but uh, that's just uh, how I feel about that. So, really, I mean, is AJ Dobson going to come out here, continue that first round finish streak? knock jacob malcoon out or is jacob gonna come out here australian could be him attempt 24 takedowns grind him down and you know win, win that gritty decision it's a good fight because aj dobson you know it was kind of a for me at least it was kind of a tale of two swords with him i, I like the physicality the power i mean I, he definitely is scary in that department it's just he feels like a stunt waiting to happen to me. Um, like he just seems super over aggressive, uh, leaving himself open for counters. You know, he'll get away with that against certain guys, but um, against certain guys you want. Now, Jacob Malcoon, I mean, this honestly, this third fight for him shouldn't be nothing newly. I mean, he's already fought two big black scary guys. Fucking here's the number third one. I think this guy is lesser than the other two. Um, so honestly, I think this could possibly be a, 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 a good position for him. It's just this guy, AJ Dobson is very aggressive and in the early goings, he's got to be careful. He can't let another Phil Hall situation happen. But I personally think, you know, you're four and oh, you're in Abu Dhabi, you're, you know, big bros fighting the main event on the card, Rob Whitaker and you, and, you know, I think that was just too much for him, man. Um, and he bounced back. I mean, Razak, I know Razak kind of had, you know, it was at 185, I believe. And Razak uh, kind of wasn't in the best state at the time. But I think it was a much better performance. And I think the momentum he has right now is got to, he's got to be feeling real confident. You know, um, I see a lot of these guys, man, like, like, for example, um, that's my, my guy's name, Malcolm X. Like, you know, his first his, his first two fights, you know, he gives people the impression that he he's a quitter or he, you know, just doesn't belong or something like that. But, I mean, you know, after a while, it takes time. He gets more comfortable in there. And now, he, now he, you know, he's won his last two fights. So I think that uh, Jacob Malkoon, you know, kind of just was overwhelmed that first fight. I think that if he can, you know, weather that early storm of AJ Dobson, I think AJ is a recipe to gas himself out. I think that um, if he can't get the early knockout, that he will fatigue in the late rounds. And, and I'll take Jacob Malcolm for an upset win. Or is it a pick'em or slight, slight AJ? Um, yeah, minus one yeah. piece. Um, I think uh, I'll take Jacob Malcolm for an upset win. But look, it could go either way. I just think that, um, the, you know, the UFC debut mixed in with the way this kid fights AJ Dobson. I think he's going to overexert himself and I think that he's going to fatigue in the late round. So I'm going with Jacob. Yeah. I mean, listen, we don't know what Jacob, uh, excuse me, what AJ Dobson's wrestling defense is like. And to your point, I mean, he was going balls to the wall to the point, you know, in the, in those fights where it's like, if this, if these fights got extended, even one, yeah, bit, they just have to get extended. Like he's strong and powerful. The first round's gonna be tough, but you know he's a he's an overexerter. Yeah, I know. In 2014, he couldn't stuff takedowns, but that's like you know close to a fucking decade. He does ago. have a uh, Mark Coleman in his uh, and Matt one. Brown. Yeah, and Matt Brown. So I saw that on Contender Series. So, like I'm, I'm yeah. sure he's been patching it up. It's just experience counts for a lot. So I, I'm leaning Malcolm because I've seen him go out there 
not just you know defeat a scary knockout artist but also when you attempt 24 takedowns like those are the kind of things i take note of those are like Bilal muhammad type numbers that's and we're going to talk about it with a ronnie lawrence we're going to talk about it even with a nick maximov that this is a style you guys got to look out for where these kids that you know you stuff their first four takedowns but they're not tired at all and then they're keep they keep trying to take you down over and over that might actually be a style that's going to give a lot of people a lot of problems so i look forward to uh you know talking about guys like that and let's see if jacob malcolm can implement that game plan so he he will be my pick but yeah obviously i'm hesitant about the early going this kid aj dobson is uh, uh, he's a freak athlete that hits like a truck like you know and we've seen malcolm knocked out before but Give me that Malcoon grind here. Now, next up in the 205 pound division, we got a matchup between Carlos Olberg. It says he's three and one, but he's actually five and one. And he's taking on Fabio the Water Buffalo Chirant, who is seven and three. And currently they got it Carlos Olberg minus 260. The comeback on Fabio Chirant is plus 220. Now I bet on Olberg, but I moved in at minus 200. So the lines moved 60 cents. So I got the best of the line. Um, and yeah, I understand that a lot of people are disappointed because they bet him last time against Kennedy and what happened. But actually, we were out here saying Kennedy should be, you know, you should pick Kennedy in that fight. Uh, my boy Shaq bet on Kennedy. Um, but like Fabio Sharon, look, I respect anyone that steps in there. And actually, if you watch his contender series fight, like I know the final result was a flying knee KO. Um, Sharon doesn't really do much, but when he does do things, it's explosive and it's dangerous. Like he threw this one high kick on contender series where I'm like, God damn it, that shit lands clean. Dudes are gonna get decapitated. Like he threw one little combo at William Knight where I'm like, man, if he just did more of that, like maybe he could have some success. But then there's like two minutes of inactivity and his style actually on the regional scene, he's like a guillotine guy. And I've seen him so many times go for the guillotine and just get slammed right into bottom side control in the UFC. I saw that uh, against Alonzo Menafield and I saw that in the regional scene. So I, I just don't really see a guy that's quite ready to, to be at this level yet. And I understand Olberg is also green, but Olberg has got a very high level, uh, 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 a very high kickboxing acumen. And he's training with all the right people and he's got a better mindset i think he just went out there i mean when you're a 205 and you throw 200 strikes like in the first round like those are lessons you learn from you pace yourself the next time you pick your shots a little better i think he hurt kennedy early and got excited man and against uh one fundamental difference here between fabio and uh kennedy is Kennedy can take everything but the kitchen sink. Like, I understand Kennedy's fight against Daoon Jung. He got finished right away, but that might have been a result of the accumulation of all the shots that Carlos Olberg landed on him, combined with the fact that this, this kid, Daoon Jung, I mean, he hits like a fucking truck, too. So, you know, but um, here with Fabio Chiron, all due respect to anyone that steps in there, I just don't think he's at this level yet, man. I think he needs more seasoning on the on on the regional scene and even those regional scene fights they weren't the dominations i wanted like these guys that are you know 38 years old too small for the weight class are like you know putting up tough fights with him man and so yeah fabio's only chance here he's not going to come out here throwing volume he's not going to come out here establishing his jab and picking apart olberg or landing multiple takedowns the only way fabio wins this fight is by landing a one hitter quitter bomb and knocking Olberg out. And I just don't see that happening. So I think Olberg is going to light this man up, get a highlight reel knockout, possibly a second straight 50K bonus in a row, and cash my minus 200 here. Yeah, um, it's a good fight. Look, Olberg 
Definitely a little higher on him. Uh, Sharon, I've never been. I, I mean, I, I've kind of elaborated back on his fight with Alexa Kamor. You told me from day uh, one. I was like, that, <laughs> like this kid is lost. Um, like, just he doesn't really know. He just looks very uncomfortable in there. Um, doesn't he looks very tense? He looks. I think it's more of a mental issue than a um, skill thing. Um, Ulberg, on the other hand, look. Going into his contender series fight, I was a little skeptical, but you know he he passed that one, knocked out Bruno, who's a, got a good record, so he's already done more in my opinion. And then you do you consider the fight of the night with Kennedy? I was actually on Kennedy. The line was just way too wide, um, but you know Kennedy is a six five guy, eighty inch reach plus. Uh, What's Kennedy's nickname? Um, African Savage. Yeah, something that. But, um, yeah, but I think that. Uh, Kennedy's just boxing style, you know, is very volume based. You know, it's a, it's not really a one punch knockout. It's just, you know, uh, accumulation. He did the same thing to Danilo Marquez. He, um, you know, he, he's a volume puncher. Um, now, Sharant, man, he is strong. He is powerful. He is fast. He, athletically speaking, you know, it's, uh, I mean, if you look at them, you probably think he's going to run Carlos Wilberg over. Um, but kind of like similar to like, you know, Jamie Pickett, you, you know, you look you look at these guys and you're like, whoa, I mean, this guy's got to be top 15 or something. And then, like, you know, mentally it just doesn't it doesn't uh, coincide. So, look, I think that I think the line now is getting, you know, in that in that um, in that, you know, playing with fire range for Ulberg just because he has four fights and or five, six, four or five, six fights, whatever. And, you know, you kind of don't want to lay too big chalk on those guys unless you're confident he's going to get that first round finish but at the same time this guy has been first round finish two times he you know alonzo minifield in my opinion it is uh, i don't want to say it can but but borderline i mean he couldn't beat devin clark and i mean you know these guys come out here and are submitting you like and it's just embarrassing and then you go to the william knight fight william knight's a, a five how tall is william knight? five nine five nine and i mean he's landing counter shots on you because you're so overextended and uncomfortable i mean look i heard he you know was training at sanford but sanford can't fight for you barry was training at sanford too so um, john jones and henry cejudo can't fight for you either you went to fight ready for like a week and you now, know i know he's trying yeah. to go to all these camps to gain confidence but i just don't see it working out um, I'm gonna take over too, probably. Yeah, KO, um, TKO. If it goes three rounds, three rounds. Um, Ulberg, you know, I just think higher of him. I mean, the Kennedy fight. I mean, I I, I kind of had a feeling he, he was in trouble there just because he hadn't he hadn't done anything up until that point. But you know, now he got that 50k. He he knows what it is to see that darkness. Uh, I I don't think it will, it will deter this guy. You know, training at the camp that he does, he'll be back. I mean, listen, all I got to say is that if Fabio Charant can eat uh, 200 plus strikes from Ulberg like uh, Kennedy did, then God bless him. That's all I got to say. But I'm happy I'm, I beat the line by 60 cents, and it's probably going to be more by the time the fight starts. So, yeah, let's ride, Ulberg. Now, next up in the 155 pound division, we got a match between Alexander Hernandez. He's 13 and four. He's taking on Renato Moicano Carnero, who is 15 and four. And currently, they got. Renato Moicano, minus 160. The comeback on Alexander Hernandez is plus 140. So Hernandez has been chirping again, Shaq. You know what happens when Alex uh, starts to run his mouth. Uh, and by the way, y'all got to check out Cub Swanson's uh, tweet the other day. 
uh, kind of put him in his place a little bit. But Alex is complaining that he's on the prelims. And uh, listen, I stand by what I said. I still think that the Benil Dariush fight is one of the biggest flukes in the history of the sport. Um, I truly believe they run it back. And I don't see Alex ever beating Benny ever again. He well, they're not running it back. Yeah, they won't ever run it back because one guy's top three and one guy will never hit the ranking. So, mm-hmm. but that being said, man, Hanato Moikano moving up to uh, 155 pounds. He's two and one uh, in the weight class. You know, the only loss to Fazeev, but, you know, he handled Hadzovic and Jai Herbert exactly how you're supposed to. So, I mean, here's the thing with Moikano. We always know the deal. In that first round, Moikano always gets cracked with something big, but if he can survive, man, I mean, I expect him to take over, but what are the chances of this Alexander Hernandez first round knockout? And real quick, this is in Texas. Last time this dude fought in Texas, he won the most bullshit decision I've seen since 3026 Bosch when he beat Trinaldo. Like they they called it 3027. So when we heard the 3027s, we we're like, oh yeah, we won. Congrats, Trinaldo. And then they're like, Alexander Hernandez. Like I was like, oh my God. So that being said, man, how you see this one? How you see this one going down? Can can Morcano avoid getting clipped early? Um, I mean, I think everyone knows how I feel about Alexander Hernandez. Um, and that really hasn't changed. So, I mean, he's a good fighter, but he's not as good as he thinks. He never has been. Um, like I think basically how I'm gonna break this fight is down is don't ever compare Alexander Hernandez to Jose Aldo to <laughs> Korean Zombie to uh, Rafael Fazeev. And that's just... Or that. Ortega. Or uh, if you're thinking he's that level of striker, you're deeply mistaken. I mean, his last two KOs over two cans, some guy I never heard of in Gritzmacher. Um, and... And then you look at it just, I mean, since the Benil fight, man, I mean, after that, he fought Mercier, lackluster. The Trinaldo win, did he even win? Um, he got outboxed, outkickboxed. If he's such a good striker, how, does, how come a jiu-jitsu guy named Tiago Moises is in the pocket trading with him and, and talking to him and, and, and telling him to come on? Moicano in this matchup is definitely the more skilled fighter. Better hands, in my opinion. Um, better overall game with the jiu-jitsu and the grappling. Um, Moicano's weaknesses, you know, he'll just get sparked a couple times. Now, look, I think that Moicano under the radar i when i watched jai herbert strike in that footwork and that movement i was like man i feel like jai herbert's a better striker than alexander hernandez i feel like alexander hernandez has kind of honestly fallen back to more of a point fighter staying on the outside trying to tip and run of course he can knock out mike breeden and and you know these guys like that but anytime he's fought that 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 real comp, that real comp, he can't get that knockout. You know, Darius, that was like his third opponent. But anyways, man, I'm going Hanato Moikano here. I think he's the better overall fighter. I think that uh, we're talking about a guy whose skills were at one point, whether what division it was or not, was top five um, at one point. And I think that now he's fighting with a, a lot more uh, carefree. I think he's going to. Don't. I thought he looked great against Fazeev, to be honest, man. Like, the, the exchanges they were having, I mean, he wobbled Fazeev once. I mean, like, stunned him a couple times. Like, it's just Fazeev. We're talking about, like, a real 
Kazik, uh, not even Kazik, but you, you know what I'm talking about. Like this Kurzik, Kurzik, but like a real striker, man, like where the timing is, is scary. And I mean, you just saw what he did to Brad Riddell. That was a high level chess match right there. And Brad Riddell makes one little mistake and, and he's seeing stars like just like that, how things can change with that guy. Um, and, and he showed me can go through rounds. I don't see Alexander Hernandez, honestly, truthfully, anywhere near that anymore. I think he's a middle of the pack guy at 155 now um like i said jujitsu guys are in the pocket trading with him and outboxing him and, and talking to him I, I got moicano here i think he's hungry i think he's gonna come out here and finish him submission i mean listen hanato just don't go down in the first couple minutes and you win this fight uh i i know that sounds black and white but i actually do think it's that simple moicano is more skilled across the board just got to worry about that chin from time to time. And Hernandez is a sprinter in the early going, but Hernandez cannot maintain that throughout three rounds. Um, and the Trinaldo fight was the biggest fucking robbery I've ever seen. But we're back in Texas, but Hinato has more activity than, than, than Trinaldo, which I don't think a bullshit robbery is going to happen again. So give me Moicano as well. And I would love to see if this fight hit the mat. That would that would be great. But I mean, I saw Moicano go out there and outstrike Cater, too, so don't sleep on his stand-up. Now, before we talk about this prelim between Ronnie Lawrence and Leo Mana Martinez, I want to give a big shout-out to our sponsor, BetUS. So, guys, if you're looking for a sports book to bet on the Super Bowl, which is fucking going down this Sunday, and UFC 271, BetUS. Going with the Rams. The Rams. <laughs> BetUS.com has been in the game for over 25 years, and they offer you the best odds, more props, and live betting throughout the game. It's easy, safe, and secure, and your number one betting site, BetUS. Use the code BATTLE125 for an 125% bonus on your first deposit for the, for the Super Bowl and for UFC 271. There's no better book than BetUS.com. So, guys, best odds, more props, live betting throughout the game. BetUS is the only place to play and deposit today using the code BATTLE125 and get that an exclusive 125% bonus on your first deposit. So you say you're going with uh, the Rams or the Bengals? The Rams. I am as well. And I'll tell you why. Look, I, I love Joe Cool and, you know, Joe he's, and he, he's a fucking beast. But I mean, listen, Matt Stafford, listen. He's a dog. Dude. I mean, Matt Stafford reps Georgia. Like, I, 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 I understand. It was Athens. I'm from Atlanta. It's different, but Georgia is Georgia. It's Georgia is Georgia. You represent Georgia, and the Falcons are out. Uh, I'm riding with you. So let, let's take it home, Matt Stafford. And, Athens ain't that far. I mean, yeah, it's only a 30 minute drive. So <laughs> something like that. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, bet us. Use the code Battle on 25 for uh, that 125 percent deposit match, and let's cash the Super Bowl ticket. Let's cash these bets for UFC 271, and let's get down to business on this next fight. But in the bantamweight division between Ronnie Lawrence, who's seven and one, taking on Leo Mana Martinez, who is nine and two, and currently they got it. Ronnie Lawrence minus two ninety. The comeback on Leo Mana Martinez is plus two forty five. All right, so I really want to talk about this fight because I'm very excited about it. So now I don't know if I should call him Mana Martinez. Or Leo Martinez, because I hear all his teammates call him Leo, and I like that name better. So let's let's go with Leo Martinez. Uh, I think Leo. One thing about this dude, Leo, if you watch his regional fights, man, like he's got that one hitter quitter. Like when he touches dudes, like they go out and they stay out, 
And that's going to aid him to a lot of wins here in the UFC. I was actually very surprised that he wasn't able to starch Guido Canetti, but I did hear that there were some, you know, circumstances going into that fight. But I wouldn't write off Mano, uh, Leo Mana Martinez. I think that he's a bright. He's got a bright future, and he's going to knock a lot of people out in the UFC. The only issue here is that he's running into this buzzsaw named Ronnie, Ronnie Lawrence, and I was kind of alluding to it earlier. The style that these kids like Ronnie Lawrence and like Nick Maximoff have, I kind of think that those styles are going to take people super, super far. Because think about this. On his contender series fight, this dude goes out there. He attempts 17 takedowns. He lands 12 of them, 12 of 17 for takedowns. He goes out there in his UFC debut. This guy goes eight for nine on takedowns. And what that means is, yeah, you can sit here and say, oh, but the guys he fought have bad takedown defense. That, that's not the point I'm trying to make here. The point I'm trying to make here is like, this is a mental game and you try to take someone down four times. They stuff all four of those takedowns. They're probably like huffing and puffing because they used all their effort to stuff those takedowns. And then this dude, Ronnie Lawrence, is still just as fresh and he's going to go for that fifth, that sixth, that seventh. That style of grappling breaks, guys. You watch Nick Maximov, who um, I understand that people are criticizing him because there was a lot of grappling. So maybe, you know, you want to see people stand and bang. But if we're just talking about uh, strategies to win and lose, that style that that kid Maximov has is something you need to look out for. Dudes that can attempt that many. He, he set the record for most takedowns in middleweight history in his second fight in the UFC against a former All-American. So watch out for Nick Maximoff. Watch out for Ronnie Lawrence. These guys have very tough styles to deal with. And I think Mana Martinez has a very bright future. I think he's going to get a lot of highlight reel knockouts in the UFC. But Saturday night, I see Ronnie Lawrence pushing that pace on him. And maybe the first takedown gets stuffed. Maybe the first five gets stuffed. But Ronnie Lawrence does not get discouraged. And he'll be there for that sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. And he'll keep going over and over till he grinds his opponent down. I am high on this kid. Give me Ronnie Lawrence to defeat the very tough and hard-hitting Leo Mana Martinez. Yeah, I think uh, Martinez, he's, you know, pretty solid. He's got good offense, like, uh, technique-wise. I mean, definitely, definitely uh, trains. I saw Yanez in his corner. Um, definitely see some Yanez in there, you know, kind of a watered-down version. Um, but I feel like, uh, yeah, man, I, I like Ronnie Lawrence. Uh, I mean, his work, I just like the work rate. When you got those type of intangibles where you're willing to just go in, the, go in there and just work harder than him, give better effort. I mean, this guy, his footwork around the cage is ridiculous. I mean, maybe not as da maybe not dangerous with the hands, but the kicks and the uh, just movement point fighting thing is on point. Um, and I think that... Um, Martinez, he waits a lot. You know, that's one thing I noticed. And, you know, these knockouts are nice, but I feel like a lot of these guys in this game, man, are overrated power punchers. And and, and what I'm going to bring up is the guys that he's knocking out on the Fury FC or whatever these shows are, like, you got to actually watch, like, their, their, their cans. Um, just like I'm sure Dennis Bonder knocked out a bunch of guys uh, <laughs> uh, uh, in the, the Ukraine, but like, you know, to his credit, to his credit, uh, he no. did. <laughs> Ricky Tercios got knocked out by. Oh, yeah, yeah, Ricky Tercio. That, I saw that one. That's a legit knockout. But, you know, Ricky Tercio is also a guy that takes a lot of damage. But, yeah, yeah he he uh, he definitely knocked him out. Good offense. I just see R Ronnie Lawrence. Uh, I don't think he's like that crazy of a power puncher, though. Like, I wouldn't. 
I think in the UFC, that number will, you know, the percentage will come down, obviously, as it does for a lot of guys. And and I think that um, um, Ronnie Lawrence is, is too dangerous in too many aspects. I mean, some of those takedowns he was sitting on, Vince Cachero, I mean, he picked him up in the air for a couple of them. I was like, God. I was impressed. I was like, maybe Dana was right. He is special, but um, I don't want to go too far just yet. I do see some holes in the boxing. I mean, he does drop his hands a little bit, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta really crack him to to, uh, to possibly to beat him. Like, I think that this kid is willing to give. I think his best attribute is just the effort and the work rate. I think this kid is willing to work harder, um, you know, than anybody. Kind of like a like a country Marab, you know, like just. Uh, He's from Tennessee, I believe, like, you know, just uh, just where he's willing to work. And I think he's going to win a decision. And funny story. I actually had Ronnie Lawrence on half the battle, like maybe like four years ago when he was just an up and comer on the regional scene. And he had the mindset back then. So it's pretty cool to see what he's become. And I'm glad you brought up Marab because that's another example of what I'm talking about. These dudes that because like you see so many guys that like. You remember that Cody Brundage, uh, William Knight fight on Contender Series? Like, Cody Brundage, the first takedown didn't work. All right, let's go home and live to fight another day. Whereas these guys like Marab, 13 takedowns. These guys like Ronnie Lawrence. These guys like Nick Maximov. Like, I'm telling you, this style is going to, you know, you remember how we were talking about the calf kicks not too long ago, which is still a great weapon? This particular style of (laughs) takedown after takedown after takedown attempt, it's going to win a lot of fights. So, I would start paying attention to fighters like that. It's unfortunate the line's like three something, but if you get a good line on one of those guys, like Maximov was plus one sixty last week, uh, just just pay attention is all I'm saying. Now, next up in the two hundred five pound division, we got a matchup between William Knight. He's eleven and two. He's taking on Maxime Grishin, who is thirty one nine and two. And currently, they got maxime grishin minus 170 the comeback on william knight's plus 150 so i mean this is like every william knight fight where it's like yeah his opponent's more technical than him his opponent's bigger than him his opponent should be better in every area but those kind of things don't usually matter with william knight because william knight has that black beast quality about him where you know you might take him down lay on him for a little bit but he's gonna explode back up he's gonna knock you out i mean when you saw that alonzo menafield fight anytime he touched alonzo i mean like alonzo was like oh my god it's like his life flashed before his eyes and uh, William Knight is as explosive as they come, and he's been getting better, and he's mixing in takedowns. I like what I see. But look, this, Ma- this Maxine Grishin guy, more experienced, bigger. I mean, technically speaking, he's better, but those kinds of things don't always matter when you're talking about William Knight fights, uh, Shaq. So let me know, man. I mean, is William Knight worth the underdog shot here? Uh, I mean, look, it's a good fight because I don't think Grishin's really like one of those uh... – those Russians that like you fear. Um, but I think that man, William Knight has has kind of exceeded my expectations. I bet him against Kamora, but after that, you know, I kinda um, you know, beating Minifield, that was a that was a big win. Um I think maybe his height disadvantage might honestly be an advantage in some spots because it's hard to fight a, a guy that's like that short and he's like but he can get he can get in range, man. He can he can get in range. So yeah, I think William Knight. You know, this might be a good spot for him. Grishin. The only thing I worry about is is William Knight raising his chin up in the air and, and leaning straight back because Grishin is way taller and and length is a big thing, man. Like if you have like a lot of length on a guy um, and you know how to use it, 
And so I, you know, I kind of wanted to see if if Maxine did know how to use his lens. So I went back and watched him against a glory kickboxer, Dustin Jacoby, and he actually dropped him like twice. <laughs> like uh, Dustin Jacoby, just a quick reactor, and he got back up and kept fighting and outvolumed him a little bit. Um, Maxine had missed weight the, the previous day, but I mean, he does he can, he can kickbox. It's just a matter of is he on or not. Um, I think that if he shows up, I think he will slightly edge out this fight. But if he comes, you know, how he has in the past and and some things missing weight and kind of having some of these habits, um, then I do think William Knight will be live. So I I think it's, I honestly think maybe it could be a little shorter, maybe like Grisham minus 150 minus, you know, because I think William Knight's hot right now. I think William Knight's confident right now. I think this is the best William Knight you're going to see. So, you know. I'm going to take Grisham, but I, I, from a betting side of things, I think it's not her pass. I mean, it, it could so be one of those fights where Grisham just doing his thing, lighting him up, and then gets caught. Keeping, at, keeping him at range, and then one shot that has that big wobble that just changes the judge's reaction. One big slam takedown where all of a sudden all the work that Grisham did goes out the window. Because, yeah, Grisham, like I said, bigger man for the weight class, more technically sound, more experience. I mean, he's the better fighter, but it's just that William Knight brings those intangibles that sometimes can be hard to cap because it might not look the prettiest, but he's very effective. So, I mean, it's tough. As a dog or pass situation, I'm going to lean that Knight finds one of those moments and takes advantage and comes out here and extends his winning streak. So, Give me a willing night to get this done. And y'all do me a favor. Smash that like button. All 70 plus of you in here. Smash that like button for me and hit that subscribe. We truly appreciate it. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Alex Perez. He's 24 and six, and he's taking on Matt Schnell, who is 15 and six. And currently they got Alex Perez minus 400 to come back on Matt Schnell's plus 300. Like I, I know you know, that Perez fought for a title and, you know, he's higher up in the rankings than Schnell. But listen, on Schnell's best day, he's a very skilled guy. I mean, the thing with Schnell, I like everything about his game. Good volume style, the calf kicks, opportunistic chokes, just the chin isn't quite the best. And then sometimes he can be bullied. But on his best day, I think he's pretty solid. I mean, is this truly a minus 400 spot for Perez? Like, is Perez just going to come out here and knock him out in the first round, destroy him or do we think uh, there's gonna be a little pushback here from Matt Schnell? Um, yeah, man, I'm kind of off the. I mean, I've kind of been never was really on, but Schnell just, I don't know, man. I I think that he's talented. I just I've always kind of thought like. I just don't think things really click for him. You know, he's kind of had a couple little runs, but I just think when the fire's on and that pressure's put on him. He folds every time, man. Um, I mean, he beat who? Smoker? Who else? Uh, in a way. In a way. Like, but besides that, I mean, he. I just think that, you know, these level of guys like, you know, Pantoja, Montorin, um, you know, I don't, I, Perez, you know, Perez might not be, um, I mean, solid, good wrestling power. Good chokes, experience. Yeah, I like Perez here, man. Perez ain't losing. I don't see Perez losing to this guy at all. Um, he can wrestle him. He can outbox him. He's better everywhere. Schnell's too hesitant. I don't, I don't think he has the chin to to open up. I think he wants to open up, but every time he gets going and gets really cracked by one of these guys, um, he he gets wobbled and and it deters him and he you know makes a big mistake. Um, 
I, I think Perez is the better fighter here. He's been out for a while. I know he wants to redeem himself from the Figgy fight. You know, sometimes Figgy makes these guys look like, you know, a little a little off. And I think um, I think that happened to him. But other than that, who's he lost to? Uh, Benavidez, uh, Figgy. Who else? That's it? In the UFC, that's yeah, it. Yeah, in the UFC. So, yeah, Perez got this. I mean, listen, I, I do expect Perez to kind of just be the more physical guy, kind of dictate the pace, bully him around a little bit. But, you know, there are some things I'm worried about. Uh, it's not just the Figueredo fight. There's been some other fights where Alex Perez has dove into chokes and tapped out the guys that he's probably better than and stuff like that and made a couple meathead mistakes. Even the Joseph Benavides fight. I know Joseph, you know, what, three-time UFC title challenger. Uh, but still, there were, there were moments in that fight that kind of just made me like – I don't know. Like, uh, it, it was just a head scratcher. But I mean, Perez should win. Like, don't dive head first into a guillotine. Don't get chopped down with calf kicks. And and don't don't sleep on Perez's calf kicks either, man. Uh, you saw what he did to Formiga. And by the way, you know Formiga's fighting in I think LFA this weekend against one of Davison's guys. So it's going to be a little interesting dynamic there. But yeah, I mean, give me Perez to 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 just kind of bully him around and, and just be, you know, the more imposing uh fighter on the night but i think schnell is a very skilled guy for sure just just give me perez now next up in the flyweight division we got the retirement fight of roxanne modafferi she's 25 and 19 and she's taking on casey o'neill who is eight and oh and currently they got casey o'neill minus 435 the comeback on roxanne modafferi is plus 335 so firstly roxy i mean I've literally been watching you for over 12 years, man. So, like, much respect. You're a pioneer of women's MMA, a legend, like, and just a cool personality, a nice personality. So she's got all my respect, black belt in jujitsu. And, dude, she's got a knack for the upset, man. I mean, I know you remember when Roxanne Modafferi went to Russia and beat a Shevchenko. I know you remember when she went out there and upset Macy Barber as the biggest uh, underdog of the year. I know you remember when she upset Andrea Lee. I mean, she's got a knack for, for an upset from time to time. And also, I want to say this. She hasn't been finished in a long, long, <coughs> long, 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 long time. I mean, the last time that someone finished her was in 2013. So basically what I'm trying to say is she's been in there with the entire top 15 and none of them have finished her so you know when you're talking about minus four something on casey o'neill who has only had three fights in the ufc and you look at what these three fights in the ufc are shanna dobson who's got a losing record laura procopio who was two fights and out and uh antonina shevchenko who, i mean i believe her ground game has been uh two fights i believe that antonina shevchenko's ground game was uh was highly exposed three fights and out but uh for yeah, she got cut. Procopio? Yeah, she's gone. Um, basically, what I'm trying to say is this. I understand it's Roxanne's reti retirement fight, but I've seen people win in their retirement fight. I saw Mark Munoz win his, in his retirement fight. I saw Chris Lytle have one of the most epic retirement fights ever, got two bonuses, and had that amazing speech. So, I mean, a win by Roxanne is not going to surprise me with some kind of vet lesson, and I don't think that O'Neal is going to come out here and finish her because the way O'Neal finishes people is she takes people's backs. She full mounts people and, and, and pounds them out. And it's like Roxanne's a black belt. Like just because she might have one foot out the door, that doesn't mean she doesn't know how to defend on the mat. That all of a sudden what she can't grapple now. So, yeah, I do think 
O'Neal's probably going to take her down and kind of control parts of the fight, but I don't see her passing the full mound or, or taking the back and and destroying her. I just kind of see her slightly edging it out. Like, I don't think, oh, look, I like O'Neal. I like her aggression. I like what I've seen so far, but we need to pump the brakes, you know, with the people uh, calling her a future top five. We got to see if that's really the case. And just because she pounded out Antonina, who you remember Caitlin Chukagan looked like the pound for pound best fighter on planet earth against Antonina Shevchenko. So just because that happened doesn't mean it's going to happen to Roxanne. So while I do think that Casey can get some takedowns and, you know, kind of maybe neutralize her at times, I don't think it's going to be a smash or, or anything like that. So just give me Casey O'Neill via decision. I don't know, man. I think uh, O'Neill was pretty impressive. I mean, she definitely, she I actually, actually, I, I didn't think she was, as good as she, um, she was thinking she was, but when I watch the tape, I mean, I like the intangibles. I mean, I see, I see a person that you know when they when she came in the first going into the fight with Dobbs, and I wasn't even sure she was gonna win, so I can't even uh, front. Like, so I, I think you know when the fight got to that phase where it was, you know heart and will she i mean she took over same with procopio procopio had got on top of her black belt um from novo now who only had or only lost previous to that was um carol rosa and uh she uh i mean she broke her man straight up like just the pace was the pace she can keep going i mean that cardio was on point for sure um I would say that would be kind of like the difference in, in her and Macy Barber or Macy Barber was kind of like a striker, but like we had kind of seen her get honestly hurt with hands, you know, the fight previously against um, JJ, you know, and we kind of just ignored that. And when, when Roxanne started boxing her up, it was like, Oh shit, <laughs> what's going on here. But I think um, O'Neal's just got a different style, more grappling. Like she, she pushes that pace. Yeah, sure. I definitely, not uh talking about no top five like you know you gotta we gotta relax i don't <laughs> like every week it's like somebody's future this future that but like uh, yeah i'm gonna go with o'neill man i some, i heard roxanne uh this week and i mean maybe i'm taking but like I, there was just some things i i didn't the vibe i got was just you know loss <laughs> it was just um i mean she said she doesn't want to punch people anymore she doesn't want to hurt people anymore she you know, she doesn't have the same motivation. I mean, she admitted to all of that. So, I mean, she's just coming out here to fight for fun, basically, I feel like. Um, so, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if, I mean, yeah, I know she trains. But, like, like just, it, it's different when you're, you know, like, I bet, like, when she, you know how it is. I mean, she's 38 years old. She's engaged now. She's, you know, she's she's on the life. I don't know if she's going to be as intense as Casey O'Neill is. Casey O'Neill really, really wants this. Um, I just think it's going to be a hungrier dog in the fight, and that's going to be O'Neill. So I'm going to go Casey O'Neill to decision. Yeah, Roxanne, she's a tough girl, man. She can take damage, and her, she is a black belt. Um, nobody really dominates her on the mat like that. Um, not even Arujo, Vivi Arujo, Tyler Santos couldn't finish her. So, yeah. Main event of the prelims in the heavyweight division. We got the former heavyweight champion Andre Arlovsky. He's 30, he's 32 and 20, taking on Jared the Mountain Vandera, who is 12 and 6. And currently they got Andre Arlovsky minus 150. The comeback on Jared Vandera is plus 130. Listen, you've been better on these Arlovsky fights than me, man. I mean, I did cash on Aspinall and Marcin Tybura, and I think one other guy, but also lost on Bozer and Linz and like but usually you got to pay a fucking price to fade Arlovsky. Here you got dog money. Granted, 
it's a different you know, level of opponent here. But one thing I want to say stylistically, Arlovsky, he's known for his volume game. That's actually somewhat of what uh, of what uh, Jared Vandera is known. He likes to throw a lot of strikes. I mean, he went out there against Taffa and put up some numbers. Um, I know the experience of Arlovsky is on a different level. And, you know, Vandera, this is his first real big fight. I mean, I know he grew up watching Arlovsky. You think Vandera can pass this test? Or is this is Arlovsky about to come out here and, you know, make it where he's won five of his last six? This is the heavyweight division, man. You can be old and you can still... You can still be on a run, and I think that's what's gonna happen, man. I, I, Jared Vandera, look, he, he's a nice guy, tough guy, can take damage, but he just is slow, plotty. If this fight stays on the feet, Andre's boxing him up, and he's gonna point fight him up. Just, I mean, he beat Carlos Boy, Felipe, Bozer, um, like you know, those are two better boxers in my opinion, two uh, more accurate punchers. Um, I, I would say Jared Vandera's best would thing would be to try to get us some, see if he can get it to the ground. I mean, he does have some good ground and pound. He is big and strong. Um, and Arlovsky, you know, might be at that stage in the career. We saw what happened when Aspinall got on top of him. He kind of just tapped right away. So, um, I'm going to go with Arlovsky, though, man. I think he's way faster. Um, it's just like, and, and, and he can fight for three rounds. That's no problem. So, um, yeah, I I know it's 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 crazy to say, uh, uh, for, how old is he? 43. 43-year-old. Um, but heavy, it's heavyweight. Heavyweight. This is heavyweight. So I think that he still has a at least a two to three fight window to, to especially if he's fighting you know these younger guys like bozer and boy felipe and now vendera you know after this maybe romanov or something like that you know like i think i don't see why not he, he can't have success yeah i mean i gotta go with arlovsky too too much experience and you know there's not really a huge takedown threat from vendera vendera is just kind of slow plotty he's durable as hell on the feet and He'll be there for all three rounds. I just think that Arlovsky is going to kind of, you know, land the shots. Not, not the shots that wobble him or anything, but just land the more volume of shots. Be more frequent with the head strikes as well. Vandera likes to go to the to the legs a lot. And, and I think that Arlovsky comes out here and wins another decision. So that is my pick. All right. Well, it's time to get down on the main card because first up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Nazrat Hakparas, who's 13 and four, taking on Bobby King Green, who is 28 and 12. And currently they got Bobby Green minus 140. The comeback on Nazrat Hakparas is plus 120. So firstly, just as a man, Nazrat, like, dude, you have all my respect in the world because that last fight against Hooker, man, I mean, if you knew what this kid was going through, he lost his mom. He was having visa issues. I mean, jet lag, still had to cut weight for the fight, and he still made the walk. So, I mean, tip my cap, Nazra. You're a fucking stud and a beast, and you got all my respect in the world. And also, when Nazrat's on his game, he's got a missile of a left hand, knocked out Neto BJJ, still very young. Um, I think the kid's very, very talented. Um, it's just that here with Bobby Green, Bobby is so much more experienced than him. And it seems like when Bobby, you know, Bobby's been in the UFC, like, what, over 10 years by, by this point, that, you know, sometimes Bobby, like, when, you're, when you've been doing shit for 10 years, sometimes you're motivated, sometimes you're not. I think right now we're looking at a good version of Bobby Green. That fight with Fazeev was an unbelievable fight. And, I mean, he went 
toe-to-toe with Rafael Fiziev, who will go far in the division. Very next fight against Ally Akinta. I mean, who the hell has ever knocked out Ally Akinta in that fashion? So I think he's trending in the right direction. I think he's taking things seriously. But just stylistically, how they match up. Nazrat, you know, I think that the Dober fight might have kind of taken a little bit of confidence away from him. And this is what I mean by that. In that Dober fight, if you watch it, Nazrat's out there smiling. He's taunting. He's being super cocky. And he got caught in that fight. You know, he threw a kick and he got countered with a straight down the pipe. But since that fight, I don't see that same intensity. I kind of see him kind of backing up a little bit, kind of just trying to counter with that big left hand. And I truly think that if you're just kind of backing away, trying to land that one big punch, that's not the style to beat Bobby Green. Like Bobby Green, you got to put up volume to beat a guy like Bobby Green. You got to find a way to stall out Bobby Green. Nazrat ain't going to stall out anything. Nazrat's actually the guy who's like, well, if he wants to hold me down, it'll be a boring fight. And it's like, oh, so so you're worried about his wrestling then. Okay, that's good to know because Bobby can take people down too. I just think Bobby's got way too much volume for him. Look, we just got to worry about that nuke of a left hand from Nazrat. You know, as long as Bobby doesn't get knocked out, Bobby's got way too much volume for him. And yeah, we do have to worry about those Texas judges, but I just don't think that Nazrat throws enough volume to, to make it an issue. And actually, the numbers say on UFC stats that he does throw a lot of volume, but I think a lot of that was from some of these older fights against people that are just not on that level, man. Like, I respect the uh, Alex Munoz kid that he went out there and fought, but Alex Munoz is six and one, guys. I respect Rafa Garcia. Rafa Garcia is one and two in the UFC. Like, so really, the Joaquin Silva fight, that's his claim to fame right there. That's an amazing knockout, but Joaquin Silva is a slow, plodding fighter. Bobby Crean is hard to hit. He's very crafty. He can switch stances. He's as experienced as they get, and he's well-rounded everywhere the fight goes. And as a favorite, he's got a winning record as a favorite. The only time he's ever lost as a favorite is when he was like minus 300 against um, Tiago Moises, and that was a very, very close fight. Um, aside from that, the fights he loses, he's, he's expected to lose. Um Nazrat doesn't have the best history as a dog either. I mean, I know you remember that plus 350 against uh, Marcin Hell that we were, I was very pissed off when that didn't cash. Uh, but that, that's neither here nor there. I just think Bobby Green's going to put up the numbers on Nazrat, kind of back him up a little bit. Um, like I said, stack up the volume and mix in a takedown or two, give him that MMA vet lesson. And Nazrat will be back. He's just a kid, he's got a bright future. I like him a lot. Give me Bobby Green, and I bet him at minus 135. Yeah, I think that uh, Nasrat is kind of just in a spot right now where he, he's a young kid and he's fighting experienced grown men, man. I mean, he's fighting, uh, you know, Drew Dober, you know, a guy that's been around the block, you know, very experienced. And, and you know, I think that did break his confidence a little bit. Um, but honestly, you know, his style is honestly based off that left hand. Neto BJJ is, you know, like you said, his claim to... Uh, claim the fame at 155 that knockout you got to look at the fight that Neto BJJ was coming off of did you see Neto BJJ's last fight you know it's clear that you know hey you know he gets hit more than the Bobby Jared, the Jared the Jared Gordon fight uh took everything out of him I mean that was one of the craziest fights I've ever seen if you guys never seen it that uh Joaquin Silva versus uh Jared Gordon Joaquim uh, Silva actually just tapped out Neil Magny and um, BJJ, actually. So. And Neil has the audacity <laughs> to call out Hamza. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I think that Bobby is just the better fighter, man. I think that Nashrat's just young and he's in a spot right now 
that he he's not ready for. I think that uh, Bobby Green is a top 20, 25 type of guy um, that can fight. Like he just fought Rafael Fazeev in a very good fight. If you know, if that fights five rounds, who knows what happens? Um, but it wasn't so. Fazeev was able to get the win there, but I think Nasrat all he has is the left hand and. He's not being aggressive with the left hand as of late. As of in his interview, I kind of sense a little immaturity a little bit. I, uh, I, I see Bobby Green is at a stage in his career right now where he's trying to get money. We're trying to, you know, we're trying to make the last last little run here. Um, I think that uh, Nashrat just is not ready for this spot. I think that uh, after this fight, he's going to have to take a step back a little bit. You look at his fight against Hoffa Garcia. That was his opportunity to come out and have a showcase performance against a guy that's going to stand in the pocket and be there for the left hand. And he was kind of backing away and he was kind of shying away in, in spurts like that. I, I wasn't impressed. But Bobby Green, he comes to fight every single fight. He's rarely ever dominated. If you're going to beat Bobby Green, it's going to be usually by controversial split decision the only person to ever dominate him is poye um that's it right in the ufc ufc lightweight ko yeah, king exactly so i think uh bobby green is gonna come out here and show everyone that he is that top 15 top 20 type guy man so yeah i'm going bobby green everybody do us a huge favor smash that like button and hit that subscribe button now let's talk about this bantamweight matchup between kyler phillips who's nine and two taking on marcelo the argentinian pitbull rojo who is 16 and 7. And currently they got Kyler Phillips minus 430. The comeback on Marcelo Rojo is plus 330. So here's the thing. Kyler Phillips in the early going, man. I mean, this guy is dynamic. This guy is explosive. He's got a wide arsenal of strikes to his disposal. He's got a black belt in BJJ. I mean, for like one round and a half, like he he could be a top five guy. This guy is super talented. The issue with his style requires so much explosion, so much fast twitch that as a result, he is going to slow down as fights carry on. And this kid, Marcelo Rojo, I mean, when you talk about those Latin wars, this guy is known for those Latin wars, man. This guy, he's a dog, man. He's one of those guys that, uh, you know, on his regional scene, you know, he was taking fights. Destinated. Yeah, he was taking fights up like two weight classes, like on a day notice, like, you know, he's 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 that guy. And there's something different about those Latin wars, man. So, like, yeah, I do think Kyler Phillips is going to be the much more dynamic guy in the early going. But if Marcelo can fight tough, get this in the deep waters like Kyler has slowed down, not just his last fight, but the fight prior to that as well, man. Look, Kyler should be favored here. He's definitely the better fighter, the faster fighter. But if Marcelo can somehow drag him in one of these Latin wars, not saying that Marcelo will win, but what I do think is that Marcelo is going to gain a lot of people's respect. Like, I think it's going to be a Kyler Phillips decision, but I think it's going to be one of those where Marcelo fights his fucking heart out, fights his balls out, and everyone becomes a Marcelo Rojo fan. They're like, man, I can't wait to see him fight again. But Kyler Phillips gets the decision win, but probably doesn't look minus 400. Yeah, you know, that was a... Uh... A letdown for Kyler his last fight against Halion. You know, I was actually on Halion and uh, Sharp man, you know, he floored him in the first round and same same like the song fight kind of gassed himself out. But look, look, he's clearly got talent. He's beaten guys like Song Yadong before. Um, he, you know, even the Paiva performance wasn't the worst, but he does have a history of, of kind of you know pulling stunts in these wars. He fought Victor Henry, Victor Henry, um, beat uh, Hione Barcelos and 
Uh, I heard there was a similar situation going on there as well. So, um, look, there is evidence that that happens. And, look, I actually watched the Rojo fight, man. That fight with Jordan was a good fight, man. I mean, he took it to him. Like, Jordan kind of, he always lets these guys take it to him early. And then the third round, he uh, usually, I mean, uh, you saw what he did the third round, the last one. That third, His third rounds are some of the best in the featherweight division, in my opinion, Uh I don't know why he waits so long to uh, get going, but anyways, man. Yeah, I think Rojo's a dog, man. I think, uh, and that was with a short camp, that Jordan fight. I mean, that was uh, that was like a, a last-minute fill-in. So, I mean, if he's got a full camp, uh, I think it's a dogger pass situation. Look, Kyler, Kyler Phillips has got to be hungry after that big letdown. I mean, he was on track for some, for an Asuncell fight at one point. Um, I mean, imagine what he could have done there. All these guys <laughs> keep fucking up with that Asuncell fight. Look at Hione. You know, he, uh, he had an Asuncell fight in his hands, and he, you know, he ended up fighting Halion, but hey. Let's see if he can finish Marcelo. I, I, I think he'll scrape it out, but I think it's going to be an exciting, yeah, you know, war, like where Kyler's trying to do like flips and Marcelo's just going forward and, you know, taking damage, but, you know, still getting his offense off. So, yeah, I think uh, I think Kyler will, Phillips will get a win in a very entertaining fight, kind of similar to like Ocho and, and Julian, you know, the other day. Featured bout in the middleweight division. We got... Number four, Jared Cannonier. He's 14 and five, taking on number three, Derek Brunson, who's 23 and seven. Actually, and these are topology rankings. I think in the UFC rankings, Cannonier is actually ahead of Brunson. That's neither here nor there. Currently, they got Jared Cannonier minus, just depends where you look, minus 152. The comeback on Derek Brunson is plus 135. So, I mean, one part of the dynamic is the wrestling of Brunson versus the devastating knockout power of the killer gorilla. Um, and then there's also the, the narrative about Brunson saying he's only got two fights left and and Kenneer saying, I want a fucking title shot, man. So interesting fight. Um, I mean, listen, dude, like, firstly, do you think that Jared Kenneer has it has his takedown defense improved? I mean, I think it has personally, um, but has it improved to the point where, like, we can keep this standing. We're not gassed from from trying to stuff all those attempts to where now Derek can run and chin straight up in the air and blitz. Like, what what are we looking at here? Yeah, man, I think uh, I think Jared Cannonier's takedown defense has gotten a lot better. I think his whole overall game has is striking as well. Um, I think you know he lost that fight to Whitaker. Not, I don't think Jared Cannonier is ever gonna win the belt. I don't ever think he he might. I'm, I think his career goal right now is to at least fight for the title. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think that Derek Brunson looked. This is not Golden Boy Shabazian. Golden Boy Shabazian had fought basically no, like he knocked out Brad Tavares, and I get it, but Brad Tavares was coming off like surgeries and Izzy a two-year layoff, Izzy fight, like it, it, it was bad. Like that was good timing. He only beat. Did you see the Darren Stewart fight with Shabazian back in the day? I mean. I mean, you saw what happened in that fight. So, like, and then he beat uh, Darren Till, who I hear had an injury going into the fight. But even, even injured or not, like, Darren Till, what's his record in his last four or five fights? Exactly. Uh, who else did he beat? Um, Ian Heinish. Uh, Elias Elias Theodoro. Um, what was the last one? Um, Till? Yeah, that was his last fight. But uh, I think that... Um, yeah, I mean, Kevin Holland, yeah. 
you know, he beat Kevin Holland by uh, decision as well, man. I think that, I just think Jared Cannonier is going to come out here, stuff the takedowns. I think he's going to move forward. And I feel like once he puts pressure on Brunson, I think Brunson will make a mistake, man. I think that these guys that he's been fighting haven't been coming in prepared. Darren Till, like I said, is not, I mean, Jorge Masvidal changed, changed his life, man. Um, and I just think that, uh, Jared Cannonier is the type of guy that will put that pressure. We've seen him do it in the past against Jack Hermanson. I don't think the Rob Whitaker fight was a was a bad showing at all. I just think Robert Whitaker was the better fighter. Um, but yeah, I think that I think he's gonna knock Brunson out. I think that Brunson's the at the best stage in his career. But I, I think that it, it, the opponents you got to weigh that in a little bit. Like I don't think those dudes are ready. Yeah, the whole blonde Brunson narrative, guys. Just because someone dyed their hair doesn't mean that they're a new fighter. I know, I know, we like to have fun like with Kevin them. Holland can't stuff a t- like he knocked out Jacare and everything. It was like guys, Jacare, is done. Jacare <laughs> knocked out Brunson twice. But anyways, uh, listen. As far as this matchup is concerned, I mean, I definitely think that the killer gorilla is much more devastating standing. I mean, even though don't, don't sleep on Brunson, like, cause, cause we're talking about the top five right now. So I don't want it to sound like I'm disrespecting Brunson. Like if you're not in the top five, top seven, top eight, Brunson is going to absolutely style on you. He's going to give you that vet lesson. He might even knock you out. Like Brunson is explosive. He's destructive. Like he's a great fighter. It's just now that we're moving up to the upper echelon, some of those things aren't going to work as well, man. Like you're not just going to be able to blitz in with that chin straight up in the air. And I know he's gotten better about that. You know, he's a little bit more patient these days, but that's still how he strikes. And a guy like Jared Cannonier can absolutely counter him with something big and finish the fight. And then I do think the takedown defense has gotten a lot better. And even in that till fight, till was rocking him. And then till goes for a fucking guillotine. Like these are till tills, you know, stealing taxi cabs and going on coke binges. Like, I don't think that Jared Cannonier is doing stuff like that, man. I think that Cannonier, the only thing I don't like is the price. That's the only thing I'm not crazy about is, is the price. So that's why I'm probably going to pass on this fight. But I do think that Cannonier stuffs these takedowns and knocks out Derek Brunson. I mean, we got we can't forget that Brunson's been knocked out, like, what, five times, six times? So just because it hasn't happened because he's been fighting guys like Elias Theodoro. You know, who couldn't punch through a wet paper bag? Cannoneer can. Uh, Cannoneer was knocking guys out at heavyweight. So, give me Cannoneer to come out here and defeat Derek Brunson and end this whole blonde Brunson shit. Now, before we talk about the co-main event between Derek the Black Beast Lewis and Ty Tuivasa, which is going to be absolute mayhem, got to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, Prize Picks, which is the daily fantasy sports partner of half the battle so guys prize picks is the easiest and simplest way to make money on daily fantasy sports all half the battle listeners will receive an 100 percent instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars using the code uh battle um at prize picks download the app or go to prizepicks.com and i, I want to say this last week so i tell you all some of the spots to take advantage of listen to this one Last week, the over-under on significant strikes for Phil Rowe was 47. So you mean to tell me that Jason Witt can eat 47 strikes from anyone, let alone Phil Rowe? Like the first combination Phil Rowe threw, he knocked him out. So, yeah, when you see spots like that, you fucking hammer. And this weekend, there's some grapplers, and and they start, you know, inflating their over-unders. Take advantage. And then Super Bowl's coming up. 
make sure you you know you're, you're feeling joe cool you're feeling matt stafford you got a hot take on that combine the sports and do your thing man and another thing i love about them is that you know you put up a lineup of like three or four players right you don't have to go four for four it's not like a parlay where you got to hit all legs and and if only one loses you lose like you can go three for four and cash out so prize picks is the way to play and uh guys they have a 4.8 star rating in the app store with great reviews so just make sure y'all go to prizepicks.com download the prize picks app use the code battle and uh let, let's 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 take advantage guys uh get that 100 percent deposit match and again like i said last week over under 47 uh significant strikes on phil Rowe. like you telling me i don't think jason wick can eat uh four strikes from phil Rowe, let alone 47 so when you see spots like that hammer 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 check out prize picks and use our code battle for that deposit match and thank you prize picks for sponsoring the show co-main event of the evening in the heavyweight division we got a matchup between Derek the black beast lewis the not the heavyweight ko king the ufc ko king he's 26 and 8 taking on Tai Tuivasa, who was 14 and 3. And currently they got Derek Lewis minus 180. The comeback on Tai Tuivasa is plus 158. You know, it was actually the first fight I watched um, to, to kind of do a little prep for this. It was actually the Mark Hunt and Derek Lewis fight because Mark Hunt does have a similar style to Tai Tuivasa. I know that Tai Tuivasa is heavily influenced by Mark Hunt, and I think that he'd try to implement a similar game plan. The only thing is that that's not the Derek Lewis we're gonna see. Um here saturday night reason being he was actually dealing with some back pro like he was having back spasms mid-fight and you could tell that his movement was hindered and that he was he was backing up and he's bending over and like you could tell he was in a lot of pain and i'm not making excuses or taking anything away from mark hunt's brilliant performance and i'm not taking away from the fact that you know tai tuivasa can take some elements of that fight and use it here that, that's not what i'm saying all i'm saying is don't expect that derrick lewis that was having back spasms backing up just looking like he was hurting the entire time and even that guy was throwing bombs so these two are going to stand and bang until one man falls i do not expect a heavyweight staring contest i know they're going to respect each other's power but um i mean i, I think that they're going to come out here and bang um Tai Tuivasa would be smart, kind of chop him down with some leg kicks a little bit. And I love those leaping left hooks by Tai Tuivasa and then his clinch break elbows. I mean, it's basically like Mark Hunt 2.0. And then Derek Lewis, I mean, he might not do anything for a little bit, but once the Black Beast does the Black Beast blitz, bodies tend to hit the floor. I mean, he only had to go at Chris Dawkins one time to put him unconscious and all the other people he's knocked out over the years. And don't sleep on the athleticism of Lewis, too. I know that he looks like a heavier set guy, but I've seen this guy throwing flying kicks. I've seen him throwing flying knees. And when you take him down to the mat, I mean, he's very good at surviving bad spots and exploding back up to the feet. So, dude, I mean, I can see why this would be a dogger pass situation. Two big, big hitters, and you get like a plus 160, plus 170 on Tai Tuivasa. I can see why you'd be tempted. And Derek, not always, but the last time in Houston didn't go his way. Now there was way more time, there was way more pressure for the title fight. But he also remember when he knocked out Marcin Tybura in Houston, too. So he's got he's had success in Texas before. I, I, I'm gonna go with Derek Lewis to win this fight, but. I'm not going to talk anyone off a, a shot of Tai Tuivasa because I think right now he's hitting his stride. I think he's had the most confidence he's ever had in his entire career. He's already been through his ups and downs. He's paid his dues, and I think now we're seeing the best version of him. So if he comes out here and wins and it's his time, 
I fully accept it and I appreciate it and I respect him. But my pick is going to be Derek Lewis to to win this fight. I mean, Derek's got to redeem himself in Houston. Uh, you know, I actually bet on him one time against Alir Latifi in Houston and the fight got a little hairy, man. And look, it's a lot of pressure when you're fighting in that hometown like that. I mean, everyone's going to be screaming for you. And you know, there's really not going to be much pressure in that in that uh, sense on, on Tai Tuivasa, man. So, look, I think that Tuivasa, honestly, ha- is a more talented kickboxer at range. I think um, that he can land the low kicks like you were saying. I think that he can even land left hooks and, and straight punches on him as well. I just think that what Derek Lewis is, is so good at is running away with that momentum, man. Like once he gets that one little moment, he'll take that and run with it. And, and he won't give the guys that, uh, that, you know, room to come back. He'll just t- like, uh, even in some of his three round fights, um, like when he fought, uh, Blagoy Ivanov and, you know, who has a win over, um, tied to Ivasa. I mean, like just every time he got into a bad spot, he, he'd sit there, he'd do nothing. And then, once he gets up, man, he's going to steal the round back. He did that against Alir Latifi uh, with those big flurries. And guys guys usually stay away from Derek uh, Lewis and big uh, and those big flurry punches against the fence. So, yeah, I mean, look, I think Derek, I think he's – it's just, like, hard to imagine him losing this in Houston, like, uh, again, after the way the surreal gone fight went. But, man, that price is, yep. is playing with fire, man. It's like, ooh, I don't know. <laughs> I kind of like Tuivasa at that line. So, man, I'm going to take Tuivasa in the upset, man. Why not? Like, I think Tuivasa can come out here and shock and shock the Houston crowd. Um, but, you know, if Derek Lewis wins, man, I think that'll make everyone happy. I mean, listen, Lewis wins, we'll be happy. Tuivasa wins, he does a shoey, we'll be yeah, happy. Yeah, like, dude, I love when he does those shoeys, man. Like, yeah. it's fucking crazy. Like, I'm going to be happy <laughs> if either guy wins, but I'll be sad for the guy that loses. Because I, I love both these guys, man. I mean, dude, now they're talking about cuppies and shit. <laughs> these guys are fun. <laughs> Main event of the evening for the middleweight championship. We got the undisputed champ, Israel Adesanya. He's 21-1. and one. What a record, my man. Taking on Robert the Reaper Whitaker, the former champion, who's 23 and 5. And currently, they got Izzy Adesanya minus 270. The comeback on Robert Whitaker is plus 230. So, obviously, the line's definitely wider than the first time they fought. Uh, I mean, granted, what happened the first time they fought, Izzy knocked him out twice. But I, I, I got to say, man, I mean, Whitaker, he's picked himself back up, put up a three fight win streak. And I think that each performance has been increasingly more impressive. Look, the Darren Till fight definitely won that fight. But, you know, he did get dropped in that fight, showed he could overcome some adversity and then schooled Till the rest of the fight. The Cannoneer fight, I mean, was a pillar to post ass whooping until the very last round when uh, Cannoneer did wobble Whitaker. But aside from that domination and then the Gastelum fight, I mean, that was a master class of MMA. So Whitaker's back. I mean, this is we're back to seeing the best Whitaker we've ever seen. It's just does Izzy have his number, not just skills wise, but mentally, too. I know there's a big mental aspect to this game. Um, And then with Izzy, like I don't see any signs of decline with him. The only thing you got to worry about with these long reigning champs, because now he is a long reigning champ, is is at what point, you know, do do they have. Now, I don't do it anymore. at what point is it like, man, I'm sick of this shit. Like the pressure of being the champ is too much. Now he doesn't strike me as that guy. Actually. I still think that he's trying to uh, seek new heights and people do criticize his last performance against Vittori. I don't, I thought it was a clinic, but they're saying that, you know, 
it's because you know when you're used to seeing what he did to like Paulo Costa or what he did to Whitaker, and then the next fight goes five rounds, like you know. Not people love to nitpick <laughs> everything but i still think israel looked amazing i mean look i just think that as great as robert whitaker is and you know let's let's see what adjustments he can make maybe start kicking the leg maybe you know he was reckless the first time be a little bit more patient this time 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 when he's going to leap in with that with that big left hook he disguises his high kick really well it's just the issue with wicker is that he does fight with those hands down and that's what i'm worried about here against a guy like izzy now izzy does have a bit of that tall man's defense and sometimes when he backs up in the cage there's some scary moments where you feel like man he could get clipped here so um yeah i mean there's there's a chance that it could go either way but usually you know long reigning champions that lost their belts even though Whitaker only did have like one one defense i still consider him one of the best champs uh, in middleweight history they don't usually come back to win their belts now i know we could talk about davison and brandon the thing is we had a reference point of them you know the first fight the first time they fought i i scored it four to one for davison the next fight was a wipeout so at least we had a reference point going into the third fight that hey like davison can beat this guy like we know he can Whereas here, we don't have that reference point. Now, granted, the line reflects that, right? It was only plus 160 for Davison. It's plus, you know, what, 230 or whatever for Robert Whitaker. So we get that. And every fight is different. So I don't just think he's going to come out here and knock him out twice like he did the first time. And I think Robert's going to be more measured. I still have to go with Izzy Adesanya here. I get it. You see a number like that on Whitaker and you're tempted against any man on planet Earth in the middleweight division. You know, go for it. And actually, I'm undefeated betting on Whitaker fights. I mean, on his come up, this guy was money. Plus 135 versus Brad Tavares. Plus 205 versus Jacare. Plus 125 versus Derek Brunson. I mean, like, dude, like, Whitaker, uh, plus 120 against Uriah Hall. Like, Whitaker was money on his come up. And even on his championship reign, it's just, I, I just think that Izzy has his number. So, I I'm going and still here. Yeah, I think Adesanya has proven himself to be the best 185 or Whitaker. You know, on this three-fight winning streak, I thought he did a good job and I thought he looked good, but at no point during that three-fight win streak did he ever show anything that, you know, that kind of led to believe that he could, you know, all those fights at some point were in range for the other guy, you know, all the other guys, besides Gaslam, <laughs> but, like, you know, the other two at least, like, you know, he got tested a little bit. And, like, I think that, I just think that Adesanya, man, every time we try to go against this guy, he just comes out here and, and he puts him down. I think he's just proven. I think I, th I just think he is that guy, man. I think uh, he's just – it is what it is, man. Like, he's just that guy. Look, beating Vittori the way he did the last time, like, just making him look that silly. And I know Marvin – kind of you know Izzy gets in these guys heads kind of like how he did with Rob the first time I mean a lot of people don't know but Rob was making memes he was you know talking talking smack he, Rob Whitaker really isn't that type of guy but Adesanya had got under his skin about something and you know um, Adesanya is very good at that man so I don't think it's a big factor in this one, but just from a striking standpoint, Whitaker's always been the type of guy to drop his left hand a little bit. Um, Adesanya as well, but it's just like when you play that game with Adesanya, like one of those, even a jab, like one of those jabs can change the course of the fight, uh, a straight punch. Like it just seems like he's too accurate, too precise. And Whitaker definitely has a, a is a good home run hitter, you know, type of style, but it's just, you know, 
he tried that last time and he got countered up. Um, and I, I don't see the take. That, if he's really thinking the take, that I, I don't see that being. I don't want to say smart, but I just see that wasting energy. I, I don't think. Uh, I don't think that's a good route to go. I think he's got to live and die by the striking and, and see um, see see how it goes. But I'm not going without a sign against out of signing man. It's it's a lot of pressure he's got on him. But I mean, you signed that new deal. Um, I mean, it's like almost like, bro, you got you got to win this. Um, <laughs> it's like you, you you can't lose. Uh, so yeah, I'm going out of signing here uh, to to probably win a decision this time. If Whitaker wins, imagine how big the trilogy the trilogy will be. would be crazy. Yeah, it, it might happen, man. They'd have to do it back in um, New Zealand though. It'd be like some yeah. bo- some boxing shit yeah, if uh, yeah. Izzy loses his fight. Yeah, I mean, look, anything can happen in there, man. Anything. Hey, y'all. So before we talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch, do us a favor. There's 85 of y'all in here. Smash that like button for us. Hit that subscribe button. Now, Shaq, what is the fight to watch for UFC 271? Um, My fight to watch is going to be Jared Cannonier versus Derek Brunson. I mean, who's going to get this next title shot? We got Strickland in there. You got, um, you know, guys like Marvin and Paolo need a fight. So, I think uh, whoever wins this fight is either going to get the title shot or one fight away for sure. So, um, And Derek Brunson said he's only got two fights left, so it's got to be this one in the in the title shot. So um, I'm excited to see what happens. So, My fight to watch is uh, on the main card between Kyler Phillips and Marcelo Rojo. Like, I have a feeling like, okay, so Kyler Phillips can come out here, be explosive, possibly get an early finish, or Marcelo Rojo can drag him into one of those latin blood and guts wars and it could be the fight of the night and i just think no matter what happens this is one of those fights where you guys are going to be like holy shit so rojo versus kyler phillips that's my fight to watch and i'm very curious to see if phillips covers that minus 430 uh price tag now shaq who is your fighter to watch for ufc 271 um my fighter to watch is gonna be a guy on the prelims ronnie lawrence when Dana White says they're special, man, I, I, I'm tuning into your fights because I want to see it. And Ronnie Lawrence, I mean, look, I want to see how he handles this type of guy. These type of guys that he's fighting this weekend, you know, uh, uh, you know, got a reputation of a power puncher. Like, I want to see how you handle these guys because if you're special, then, you you know, there's a certain level I'm, I'm expecting. So I'm excited to see his fight. You know, um, it's been a while since he last fight. I know he had the botch, the botch weight cut when he was supposed to fight Trevor Jones. Um, so yeah, yeah. And for me, my fighter to watch is Renato Moicano. Man, I mean, look, he moved up to to 155 pounds. He said the cuts to 45 were just taking everything out of him. And if you put it in perspective, the guy made it to top five in the world with those brutal weight cuts now he's coming up to 155 pounds he's already two and one in the weight class the only loss being to a top 10 guy in rafael fiziv if he can come out here and beat a guy in alexander hernandez who i mean like we might not be the highest on him but like he still has like a bit of a name because of what he did early on in his ufc run and if hanato has the kind of impressive performance that i think he's capable of having then i think he's going to get another big fight next and i just want to see how he handles this man i mean i want to know are we going to get this to the mat right away because i think hanato takes his back it could be over or are they going to stand and bang which gives alex the chance to get that early ko but don't sleep on Hanato stand up either. So Hanato Moicano is my fighter to watch. I'm very curious to see 
how uh, he approaches this performance. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday night live in Houston, Texas at the Toyota Center. We got the middleweight championship on the line, Izzy versus Whitaker 2. Co-main event, the heavyweights, Derek the Black Beast, Lewis versus Tuivasa. Hell of a card. Thank you guys all very much for being here with us. Follow Shaq at MMA Genius 05. Follow me at Best Fight Picks on Twitter. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify. All the places we are available. We'll be back next week for the next card. Oh, and also, so on Tuesday nights around 9 o'clock, I've been doing a Dan's Tuesday Night Contender, talking to different UFC fighters. Um, had Bilal Muhammad, Jamal Hill, and Billy Q on so far. And it what's different is that a lot of people are doing interviews, which is great, and I believe that everybody should. And there's only a few people that do live interviews, but this is the only show that does a live interview with fan interaction. So if you guys want to talk to your favorite UFC fighters, come through Tuesday night on Half the Battle, and we got you, man. And then also, shout out to our sponsors, Prize Picks. Use that code BATTLE for an 100% deposit match up to $100. Take advantage of these spots that they're overlooking. And if you're looking to bet on the Super Bowl and UFC 271, no better place than BetUS. Use the code BATTLE125 for an 125% bonus on your first deposit. So thank you guys so, so much. We'll be back next week. Smash that like button. Hit that subscribe. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.